Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Fellas, how you doing? Finally! I told you we'd find him. You know, without his pants, in the streets, he was found. Lavender Gooms is back, folks. I spilled, you know, a little hot sauce on them, and I had to, I had to air dry them. You know, I had to wash them, beat them on some rocks, and uh, get that situated. Nice, Mike. Do me a favor. Tilt your microphone up a little bit towards you. Um, there we go. Perfect. Um, all right, boys and girls, we're gonna talk about uh, Paul Felder going from the announce booth to the octagon, uh, taking on RDA. Man's tough as nails, didn't go his way. We'll talk about that fight. We'll talk about my new favorite uh, fighter at uh, 172.5 pounds because his opponent missed weight. Chaos Williams. That's his name, Chaos with a K. We're going to talk about him. Um, we're not going to talk about the rest of the card because, I mean, unless Mark saw it and saw anything relevant. Yeah, nope, Mark's shaking his head. Nope. Not at all. Um we're going to talk about some news we got this week, real briefly. We're going to make some picks for this UFC pay-per-view this week, which in terms of uh, name recognition, I'm not sure they've had a pay-per-view with less name recognition than the two guys at the top of this one. Doesn't mean it's not going to be good, though. Two title fights, including um, Valentina Shevchenko defending her belt, too. Um, some decent matchups. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about Bellator, probably, just for a moment, um, just because um, they got a pretty fun one this weekend, too. Or this Thursday, not weekend. Got to get used to saying that. But first off, Marcus, the former champion at 155 pounds, Rafael Dos Anjos, goes back down, was supposed to, was, man's got big brass balls because he's like, I'll fight Islam Makachev. Fight falls through. Paul Felder takes the fight with on no notice. Um, what'd you think? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, I think Dos Anjos had a good performance. I think even Paul Felder, you know, taking the fight on five days notice also did pretty well, you know, and I, I guess I, I haven't really been keeping track. Well, I mean, it sounds like he's had one foot kind of out the door for a while. He's kind of talked about retiring. We, we, I think we all thought he was going to retire after the last one, but he kind of was pussyfooting in and out of it. Um, and he said he did say he hadn't been in a gym and MMA gym in four or five months. So it yeah, like he, he said that he was just training for a triathlete. Or triathlon, I should say. Um, but he still looked he looked really good. For someone who hasn't actively been training, he looked very crisp, very in there. Um, Dos Anjos just implemented a better game plan. You know, I think obviously him preparing for a while might have paid off dividends. But, you know, Felder looked f fresh and, you know, he definitely had energy for all five rounds. So I think he asserted himself really well. Um, Dos Anjos just, just really asserted a grappling regiment a little bit better and in my eyes stole rounds away from Felder. You know, I think Almost every round was closely contested. I think Paul was in there and landing decent shots. It's just uh, those annuals would just land a little bit cleaner. Um, would pretty much every round got a takedown of some sort or would control a decent amount against the cage. 
and I think another thing that he did really well is he ended each round. Every round, he landed a good shot in the in the last 10 seconds where I think all these things just helped him solidify rounds. And it, and to say that, he didn't even get a unanimous decision. Uh, one judge did give it to Paul Felder. I think there's a lot of kerfuffle. Even Paul seemed to be... Oh, yeah, Paul know, had a look on his face like, the fuck? What, what, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and I think my personal thoughts on the fight itself outside of it just being a good performance on both fighters and dos anos has definitely been a guy that i have been really slow to give credit to i think his run up to the champion uh to his you know winning the belt at lightweight i was very skeptical and kind of when i finally bought into it it's like okay he got the belt he's dropped a lot of fights right and the, and the fights he's dropped have been the upper echelon of not only 55 but also of 170 so i don't, I don't think there's a lot to take away from him with the losses he's had. But in my mind, he's always been kind of this fighter where kind of like what Stefan would allude to just some of the other fighters. Like I never really knew exactly what he was super proficient at, like where he was really dynamic and dangerous. He just seemed to be a really good all rounder and durable and able to go the distance, which I guess during this fight, he had uh, been in the octagon for over seven hours and he, he, he tied Frankie Edgar for fighter. That's, you know, had the most cage time. Uh, so I think all those things well, you know yeah Marcus, his uh his stamina is like doesn't get a lot of credit and i remember um he fought tony ferguson five rounds in mexico city and we know tony's ferguson is tony ferguson's stamina second to none he lost but they were both there like they both held up and i remember just thinking how impressed i was with both of them like with the absurd stamina and such high elevation so yeah, he's, yeah it's an attribute of his that hasn't gotten enough credit over the years yeah so on one end i i liked i thought those annuals asserted himself well back at lightweight um you know and and at the end of the day for paul it's just having gotten to know him better being a commentator it is i think it is very difficult not to like this guy he's just a very straightforward likable guy and even in this fight you know when he talked about uh, you know why he had the mustache because it, it's it's no no shave vember or there's lots Mo of Movember. There's lots of things you're supposed to or not supposed to do whether you're masturbating or sh making a beard or whatever. November's a weird month where you're making sacrifices of some sort. But he basically explained you know how his dad had um, prostate cancer and, and sir came to it and you know he, he wears the mustache for that um, and how his dad was a big supporter. I mean it's just a heartfelt story and even outside of that he is just a. A interesting fun guy who i think does a great job in the booth and i think there's obviously a future for him there but at the same time in the octagon the guys always just brought the fight you know he's always been a fantastic fighter he, he's one of these guys that just doesn't have boring fights and i think he performed really well he just he wasn't able to get it done those Anjos just had his p's and q's lined up he dotted the i's he crossed the t's he did everything he needed to to solidify a win here um and that's really all i have for it yeah um Mike, do you got anything on this one? I mean, just a solid win by the veteran showing he's still a contender at 155, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a solid win, but don't you guys feel that something should be taken away from him just because of the fact that Felder hadn't been in a ring in four months and had done essentially no training for this fight outside of his uh, triathlon training? I mean, and it still went the full five rounds. Like He couldn't take Felder out. Well, I mean, Steph, let me get your thoughts on what Mike just said. Um, it's I simultaneously agree and disagree with it. Um, I disagree with it in the sense that Felder's the one who had the seven by his name. Um, so, you know, short notice or not, he was fighting up into the division, right? And so it's whatever you want to put into the stakes of the rankings. He was highly regarded, you know, um, whatever the circumstances is. It's like people say it about Anderson Silva all the time, right? And like, oh, you showed too much respect for him. It's like... 
Cormier said, I don't care if it's a wrong weight class on short notice. He's still Anderson fucking Silva when I look across the cage, you know. <laughs> Not that Felder's that, but you got to respect that reputation that's been earned. So I disagree with that. But I also agree in the sense of I kind of came away very neutral from this fight. Just like, yeah, it, there were t- two tough guys. Ne- neither could truly put it on the other one. So uh, Honestly, like, St- Steph Dosanio seemed like he had the same impression you did. He was just like, yeah, I did okay. You got the impression yeah. he was aware. It's just the caveat that, like, obviously the dude needed to win because he needed to kind of course correct on the trajectory of his career. But when the narrative was, like, he's back to make one last, like, push for a championship of the division that he shortly reigned over. And it's like, you just want it to be more emphatic. So that's where I kind of leave it, like, you know, it's not to take away from both guys because they're both tough and durable, as you saw. But just the fact that you couldn't, um, it's like... It's really because you're kind of measuring them against the top, right? Exactly. And so if this is how you do against the middle, I'm not exactly super excited to see you get a, cra- a chance at the top, right? That's why it's got to be definitive. So I uh, I understand where Mike's coming from, but I'll say this. Felder's never been knocked out, ever. Not once. He has a TKO loss because of a cut, I believe. Um, That's it. Also, while he was training, Islam Makachev is not even like in the same ballpark in terms of the style of fighter Paul Felder is. So it was a big change. So while I agree he could have done better, I gave him a little bit more, I cut him a little bit more slack because of it. You know what I mean? Just because of what the what they were asking from him too. Um, but he got the W. That's the most important thing. I mean, that's his first win in this weight class in, it's got to be years, right? Like he hasn't fought at 155 since, whoo. Tony Ferguson fight, it looks like, back at uh, November 20, 2016. He famously passed out trying to make weight for that title fight where he lost his belt, though. So there's that, too. Um, uh, and if I can chime in because I think that was a fun question Mike proposed. Um, for me, I mean, I, I actually agree with you guys. I, I don't think this was a performance to say, like, oh, this is this guy's going to get the title and reign over this division. Um, but for Paul Felder not training much and for Dos Anjos going to the decision, I would say, like, I can give a fuck what you do in training. That's your decision. You want to eat O-O, uh, uh, ho-hos and Oreos all day and sit on your ass. That it, Whatever you want to do for training, that's your prerogative. As long as you come in the, in the octagon and you fucking fight and you show a good performance there, that's what I'm going to judge you on, right? So I don't care that Paul Felder wasn't in the gym for two months leading up to this fight. What we saw in the octagon was a a polished, sharp guy that was definitely in there to win. So that's why I take away. Like, I think Dos Anjos and, and Paul Felder did great, you know, and I think you can always look at the training regimen and short notice and what have you, and those potentially could factor into your performance. But at the end of the day, I just care about how they perform in the octagon. So I don't give two shits. You want to ride a bike for, you know, two months for your training? Whatever. I mean, I, do whatever I, you got to do as long as you're ready to, to fight. And I, what I saw in there was was a crisp, sharp Paul Felder. I didn't see a guy that was sitting on his ass and looked like he wasn't prepared to have, you know, a five-round fight. I saw a guy that was in there, fought hard for five rounds, and another guy that just just beat him to it. He just, just technically did the little things he needed to do to win the fight. So, yeah, I honestly, I agree with you guys. This is was this was not a performance where I'm like, the Gaethje's of the world and the Ferguson's are going to be shaking in their boots. I think they know when they fight Dos Anjos, it's going to be a tough out, but this wasn't a performance that made him seem like he's the reigning champ, but it makes it seem like he's kind of in the conversation. A couple more wins, I definitely think he earns to, you know, fight one of those guys and potentially, you know, have a title on the line. Yeah, um, just a couple notes as we move on. Uh, 
Paul Felder, never in a boring fight. Even when he was on his back, kept fighting, made it interesting. And um, I like Duke Rufus telling him, yeah, you need to finish him. Like the third round was over and he's like, yeah, you need to finish. Like there was no min- mincing words here. Um, the d- judge who gave three rounds to Paul Felder shouldn't be allowed to judge MMA. Even even Paul Felder, when that first yeah. judge was uh, was announced, he had to look like, what the fuck? Like, what? what? Really? Like, I remember looking uh, back at it. I'm like, maybe the second round? Maybe. I'll, I'll concede. I kind of wasn't super into this fight. Um, obviously, it being a shallow card. College football was back, so my eyes were kind of over there. But um, I tuned out after the third round um, because every one of the first three rounds looked identically the same. Um, kind of evenly exchanged. And then eventually Dos Anjos can put him against the fence and he kind of controls it out and wins the round from there. And yeah. it just seemed like it was going to be rinse and repeat. And then I saw it was a split and I was like, why? What happened? Why Why was there a split? Like every round seemed identical. I've just figured I missed something, but it yeah, seems dude, like... Even, when I, even when I said the second maybe stuff, I was mostly just like, I know he outstruck him. But like even then I was like, I don't know how you did that. Um, the other part, the other star of the night for me when I watch exactly two fights... Chaos Williams. Chaos Williams. Man, fighting Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is scary. All right? That dude throws heat early and often. And uh, Chaos Williams didn't give a fuck. Chaos Williams is was like, you know what? My last UFC fight, I got to win in 27 seconds with a knockout. You're a little better. So I'll give you three more seconds before I knock your ass out. Marcus. Woo! That wasn't even look like a... Like, he just got accurate. Right on the button. Out. Yeah, I, I mean, it. there wasn't, you know, obviously a 30-second fight. There's not a lot to to kind of break down. But um, what was the other guy's name? Not not Williams. Abdu- uh, Razak Al-Hassan. Razak. I'm going to go with yeah. Razak. So, I mean, uh, it obviously seemed Razak was kind of having a slow start. He, he kind of let Williams get away with some low kicks early on. And then he fired back a good low kick himself. And then, you know, the, the ending sequence was really Williams kind of setting up that right straight where he basically fainted it. Uh, Razak bit, he threw a low kick and, you know, I, I say it now, I'll say it always, you know, when someone throws a low kick at you, you have to respond in some way, whether it's checking the kick, shooting off the kick, or throwing a counter right hand, which is a great weapon against a low kick. That's exactly what he did in this fight. You know, he fainted the right, Razak bit, threw a nice low kick, and he countered off the off the low kick, and, and really it was just placement of punch. So the punch landed right on the chin, he was instantly out, he went down like a tree, um, and he was out for a good while. So this was, day, you know, we mentioned often on these cards, you know, and it used to be a couple years ago. It was like, oh, you know, you're on the main card. We don't know who you are. This is a great opportunity to kind of make a name for yourself. Now it's even tougher because there are so many fucking cards that, at least for me personally, it's not even getting on the main card. You have to do something like this. You have to get a spectacular knockout. You have to do the Buckley spinning kick knockout or this, you know, a, a great counter right in the first 30 seconds that you knock the guy over like a tree to kind of get your name out there, which kind of sucks because... Back in the day, if you got on the main card, just had a good fight. You know, at least in my eyes, I'd recognize you. But now I watch so few fights, it is hard to stand out. So when you get an impressive knockout like this, you know, it really does a lot for your stock. And and, and now, uh, uh, Callen Williams is, is he's on the list. Oh, you know, call, the man, fights, call the man, chaos. call the man, chaos, chaos. So chaos. Wants to call the man chaos, chaos Williams, love it. Um, yeah, I contend, Mark, you don't watch fewer fights. You watch less fights per card because there's so many cards. When there's a card every week. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, my yeah. consumption has definitely lowered yeah. over the years, whereas I'm watching the same fight 20 times in a week because there's so little going on. But yeah, it, now it's just a much more selective. And I have to imagine the audience is like, I can't imagine 
there's, I mean, of course there's going to be fans, you know, more hardcore than us that are still watching from prelims to main card, but having been integrated in the sport for a long time and I've seen so many fights, it, it has come to the point now, unless a card is stacked with name recognition and exciting matchups, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of pick and choose the, those, those big fights. And this one was not on the radar. I was not going to watch this fight. I was going to watch Felder and Dos Anjos and that was going to be it. But Bobby, you put it on the radar. You let us know this was a well, quick I was, fight. I wasn't for him. Uh, Cause I, I mean, let me, Steph, do you remember this? I mean, the guy was gone for a little bit here. He got hurt or something. Uh, Al Hassan, but, the man was fucking people up. He ha- he has ten wins all by knockout. So oh, Bobby, bad choice with me to go. I can't, I can't Mike, do you remember Al Hassan at all? <laughs> I do not, Bobby. All right, I'll talk about it. Yeah, um, he was part of the. I mean, I, I mean, let me not just assume where the guy's from. Um, but like, yeah, he was uh, part of like the African wave of like fighters we were getting a couple years ago. And he knocked out, he knocked out Nico Price. That was the one. He knocked out Nico Price in 43 seconds. I got on everybody's radar. Um, this was a tough matchup for, uh, Chaos Williams and he didn't give a fuck. He put him out. Um, and he gave a sweet, sweet quote when it was all over getting interviewed saying, people gonna, gonna keep sleeping on me and the doctor gonna wake him up. And shit, man. That's good. I mean, I mean, Stefan, that sounds like a pro wrestling t-shirt right there. That's all it says. It's it a good quote, so let's just match him up with the uh, dictator soldier guy, and let's just see who the real 170 or prospect is. Let's eliminate a, a prospect altogether right now. Oh, let's just do it. Let's not build anyone up. I say oh, let's the, the dictator soldier. Uh, Cosmot. Whatever. What's his last? Chimaev? Chimaev. Chimaev. Yeah, that's Chimaev. Right. That'd be an well, th- He's fighting Leon Edwards, actually, that guy. Yeah. Leon that's Edwards. That guy shot to the moon already. He's past chaos. Well, Leon Edwards is like, I'll fuck this guy up. And I'm like, Leon, I hope you're right. Because uh, <laughs> the UFC already doesn't like you. So Yeah, I mean, Mark went to my go-to analysis on guys where I'm not quite sure what your thing is. That's Leon Edwards for you. You're tough across the board. I don't really know what Wait, you what? I see. I see him wrestle guys who are inferior wrestlers, but then he doesn't. Why exactly is he in the UFC doghouse? Um, he wouldn't take fights for a while there. And I don't exactly. I mean, look, he he said no. That's why. It sounds, That's it, why. Sounds, it sounds like depending on who you're talking to, the narrative changes. Because according to Leon Edwards, no one wants to fight him. So who are we believing here? Well, no one wants to fight Cosmod either. Leon Edwards, I mean, the UFC is not happy with anybody who exercises any sort, any sense of like, hey, I'd like to do this. Um, Mike, and- you forget the secret option in uh, the world of MMA where everyone is a scumbag. Everyone is lying, Mike. It's not an either or thing. It's, Ooh, the the, the bad guy, the bad guy is never the UFC. That's the general rule when you ask Dana White. But the fighter isn't necessarily the good guy. Everyone yes. can be the bad guy in the equation. Yes, exactly. Um, other people fought on that card. I wasn't paying attention, but you know what? We mentioned the fight of the night and the, one of the performance of the night. So I feel we gave you guys adequate analysis. Um, Oregon football won in spite of three turnovers in the first half. People want my college football analysis. We got a lot I can of tell you that, on this I can part. tell you that Syracuse football didn't lose on Saturday. Did we play? No. That's why. Okay. Um, I'm just going to push uh, my college football conspiracy theory, um, and that is that Notre Dame is hiding their positive COVID tests. Uh, I saw your I saw your school rush the field. I saw your team 
surrounded Look, by many masses. No, uh, they have this little thing called Jesus protecting them from COVID. Yeah, it's touchdown Jesus. Put some, respect on his, put some respect on his name. It's touchdown oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. Look, you know what, man? Um, uh, we got a. I mean, Mark and I got a coworker. The man lives in South Bend, Indiana, so we can put some calls in. See if he's heard anything around town. You know about the real situation with Notre Dame. Where are the um, bags of the burning positive tests, Bobby? Where Where are all those at? That's a good question. Um, what news do we got this week? We got that. Uh, we got a UFC champion, former UFC champion, Marcus, making his move over to a new promotion. Hmm. That's that's the news I picked out this week that I saw literally when Bobby well, go, go ahead and explain the news. <laughs> I didn't listen to the interview, so all I know is the headline that Verdum went to the PFL, and, and that's quasi exciting. Um, but but also like extremely within the realm of like what the UFC has been doing. You know, they're not catering or trying to hold their former champions. You know, we, we've seen a lot of former champions go to other organizations. So, you know, potentially holding that belt for a while is not, you know, does not mean you're going to stay in the organization forever. And the PFL, you know, they, it definitely seems like they're, and I, I still think they're doing the million dollar tournament. That's kind of their claim to fame, which do you think for, do you think that's beneficial for, for doom? Do you think him winning like a three fight tournament and getting a million bucks is more financially yes like better than what he was doing in the UFC? Yes. Okay. Well then, I don't think they're paying Verdum more than two hundred. He, he's maybe getting two hundred. Yeah, I was going to say two hundred, maybe, maybe, maybe two fifty if he's got a good manager. Um, we'll see. I mean, that PFL's got you know. Well, they got a couple people. They got him. I was say, uh, who can name me a second heavyweight in the PFL? I wasn't going to say heavyweight, but they got Kayla Harrison oh, is the only. See, there you go, Bobby. <laughs> Who's Verdum going to fight? That's the question. <laughs> well, I mean, we say stuff like this, and then we like. I remember back the, the, the earlier listeners of the podcast, listeners of the podcast, will talk about how we said King Mo was going to win two to three big belts in Bellator, and then did uh, we uh, say- did you say that Kayla Harrison is in the PFL? Isn't she? Well. It's funny you say that. I was just looking at the Invicta event that's going on on the twentieth. She is an Invicta now. Uh, that's got to be a rental or something. They must not be running shows or something. I make. I don't buy it. Hmm. She's. I thought she's in PFL. I'm not. Did I? Did I make that? She was PFL. Didn't she win like the million dollar thing? I I don't doubt that she was oh. in PFL. But I was just looking. She is facing Courtney King at the uh, Invicta FC forty three event. Well, okay. you nailed it. She got that hot mill, and she's like, "Well, <laughs> mission accomplished here, and off to the next one." You know what it is? There's no 55 division. If you think 45 is bad for women's MMA, 55 is worse. So that may not be actually. It might be equally bad. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, hey, well. she is a she is a big big girl. God damn. Yeah, she uh, a gold medalist or bronze medalist in the Olympics. Gold medalist. Um, you want to talk? You want to talk about an event. You want to talk about a thin event. The the main event for this Invicta card is uh, one of them is nine and six. And that's the person going for the vacant strawweight title. Yeah, poor Invicta. They always have constant uh, vacant titles. UFC just calls up their champion and says, hey, you want to make 20 and 20? Like, and then that's it. Um, I was going to see if there's any other MMA news, but... A great part of me doesn't care right now. Well, I, I did. It. I did also share the story with Sergey Heratonov, who actually literally like a week ago was in, uh, I was going to say Bellator, but it wasn't Bellator. It was like Paris FC, and he was fighting former UFC fighter Olive Thompson. I guess is like an English guy. Mm. He knocked him out, which was a great performance. But then apparently 
he had a run in with another former UFC fighter. Bobby, do you remember that guy's name? He had it, it doesn't him, matter. Yeah, they call him a former UFC fighter. I guess he had one fight in uh, uh, 2018, and I guess Sergey was you know kind of asking about some money he loaned the the gentleman, and they they I guess they were at some kind of fight event, and they're like, oh, let's let's walk outside to the coat room. We'll get this all situated. So there's actually like security camera footage of. Uh, Sergey going out, uh, going outside with this guy, and they're talking. Sergey's hands are in his pockets, and they're they're talking to each other like gentlemen would do. And out of nowhere, this other guy just starts swinging punches at Sergey, and he clocks him two two times pretty cleanly. And Sergey clinches up, and I guess you know uh, security was involved in. And we were able to remove the guys, but I guess Sergey also says that this dude always uh, carries uh, what they call nuzzle uh, knuckle dusters in yes. his pockets, so that's why he broke his orbital and nose. But I was like. And Sergey's like, I guess Sergey also had a tweet after saying, like, when you're a trained fighter, you shouldn't be using your martial arts capabilities outside of the fight thing. And if you're a coach that's training someone who think they might do that, you should kick them out of the gym. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And I guess he also. I mean, Sergey's out there shaking people down at the docks for cash that's owed. So I don't know. And he also, I guess he hashtagged Mike Tyson in that because I guess he's been trying (laughs) to fight Tyson, which didn't. Then just led to another article, which had Sergey, I guess, in September had his first pro boxing match. And Bobby, I had to link that to you because I guess when he came out, I mean, hey, this is very ruski of them. Yeah, they had a bear come out. They had a bunch of military guys in their little military barrettes, and they had a bear come out, and the bear very impressively stood on its hind legs. And they it gave was it a, a was treat, it a fucking like, gr- Sergey like a- coming out the box. And he was it a was it a baby bear or, a, or no? Bear it was a big. Bear. It was a big fucking bear, Mike. I was like, that can't be real. And then they start feeding it treats. I'm like, it's a fucking bear. He All right, time, like, he almost think, like, he the fighter. You almost <laughs> think for a second that could be a guy in a bear costume. He's standing up on his hind legs, but then you see him go back down to all fours and get a treat, and you're like, no, that's definitely a bear. This is Russia. They're having fun. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, some news that happened. Um, the best fighter in Bellator fought last week, Patricio Pitbull. He got two belts, 45 and 55. He's defending the 45-pound title in a 45-pound Grand Prix. Um, honestly, they have nobody for him to fight. We are well past the point that he has, you know, wiped out divisions over there. Um, he knocked out Michael Chandler in a minute. And we're talking about Michael Chandler getting a UFC title shot. Um, not that, I mean, I let's say I'll put it in words like this. I would like Patricio Pipple to get a lot of money to fight better fighters. The first part's most important. Get a lot of money, though. Yeah, I, maybe that's the next move when his contract's up. Because it doesn't seem like Bellator is super stringent on like holding these guys i mean you would think chandler was one of their like homegrown they built this guy up and they're like yep see you at the ufc have fun you know they were not like they got what 10 years of it they got 10 years out of him something like that yeah and they've gotten pretty much that with pitbull too i mean both those guys have kind of been in that division forever and like you said bobby in this tournament you know what one thing i do like the bellator does i think they do a lot of things well when they when they're doing the uh pre-fight stuff they have a little the little list of like accomplishments notable wins or whatever and it's like everyone in that tournament was on that list like he's yeah. all these guys before, and yeah. we're gonna do it again uh but yeah i mean at this point there's really not much else for him to prove i agree with you i'd love to see him in the ufc i think he kind of brings in some uh fresh blood and it's 100 percent deserving and in this fight last week won by knockout spectacular fashion first round i mean what can more can you ask for really yeah um 
I wouldn't mind them running that tournament uh, Mortal Kombat style, where the uh, tournament is that he fights everyone in a ladder. Uh, Let's be honest, that'd be interesting. We'd be fine with it. Let's keep going. <laughs> we just have him, every, everyone versus him. Uh, I, I like that style for him. Yeah, he's... You know, it's like... I'm not against anyone, these guys, making more money because all of them are underpaid. But it's like when you said that, Bob, I'm like, yeah, but who's going to pay him money? Who's demanding to see this guy? Like, for all his accomplishments, he's got such little name value. Like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'd be... I would love to see him in the UFC. I just think I just watch... There's there's nothing left to do in this little pond of his. Yeah, I would like. I just you know I think him and Alex Volkanovski would be a good fight. Him and you know Aldo's old, but I mean him and Max. If Max is gonna stick around at forty five, good fight. Him and Zombie, holy shit! Him and Zombie. I mean, I awesome. feel like whenever I hear it's his name, it's because he's calling out someone from the UFC. So he he seems like he knows what the logical move is. Yeah, um, Bellator's back this week. Just real quickly, want to mention. Um, that this main event sounds awesome, honestly. Um, AJ McKee, a fighter that I think Mark and I have seen him fight live at least two or three times. I'm sure Stefan will see him at least once. The son of um, Antonio McKee, um, gonna fight uh, Darian Caldwell. Darian Caldwell is the former, I want to say, bantamweight champion of Bellator. Um, could be wrong. Yeah, bantamweight champion. Lost his belt to Horaguchi. Man, what's Horaguchi up to? He's going to fight Ryzen soon, actually. Ryzen's going to put on a show, actually? They have one in a couple weeks, which is just... I mean, it, I, I think because of COVID, it's all Japanese fighters. I don't even think they really had a lot of... I don't think their roster was like ever super deep with international guys, but all their events coming up are basically just all Japanese fighters, and I think he has a fight. It might be like their New Year's card. I think it was sometime in December, and I think he's fighting the guy that beat him for his belt, which I, the name escapes me. So. Those are like... I mean, you're talking about like one of the best fighters at, you know, 25 and 35 in the world in Horaguchi. But Darian Caldwell and um AJ McKee should be fun. That sounds like a really good matchup. Um I don't know if they have another tournament going because there's no belt on the line here either. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but that's just a good matchup of some, you know, young guys. Um Bendo's on the card too, fighting a guy I've never heard of, so good luck to Bendo. Um and uh Keith Lee, curtain jerking that night. Don't know how he's making ban- making bantamweight, but you know, he will surely make his opponent bask in all of his glory. Yeah, that's definitely the same guy. That Keith Lee is definitely fighting at 135 in Bellator. Maybe his right leg is fighting at 135 in Bellator. <laughs> so, uh, I was gonna salutations, hope that, yo. I was kind of hoping you had a raw in the background, Mike, so I could be like, right, that guy right there on your TV. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm supporting my uh, brethren from Queens and not watching Raw this week. Oh, Miss Vega. There you go. There yeah, we'll talk about that at the end here a little bit. All right, let's make some picks for this pay-per-view. UFC going to be at that Apex Center, or Apex, or whatever the fuck they call this thing. Um, two title fight main event. Um, Bantamweight title fight between uh, the new champ. Oh, sorry, not Bantamweight. Featherweight title fight between uh, the new champion, Davison Figueredo, taking on the number, let's go with one, contender... Um, Alex Perez. This is a I, featherweight. It's bantamweight. You're I right. said flyweight You're right the first time. I said bantamweight, then flyweight, didn't I? You said thing, I, I think I heard whatever, you say featherweight. Okay, yeah. they, they weigh they weigh 125 pounds. There we go. Everybody at the top of this card. Um, I was kind of dismissive of, of Perez last week, so I'm a little sorry about that because I, not his fault. The UFC doesn't know how to promote shit, but I honestly couldn't pick the guy out out, out uh, of a lineup. Um, Alex Perez is coming into this fight on a three fight winning streak. Um, wins over Mark De La Rosa, 
Jordan Espinoza, and this is why he got a title shot. Juicy A Formiga. Because we know, Stefan, that Formiga is always going to lose that fight right before he gets a title shot, no matter what happens. And apparently that was it, because I think I saw that he signed somewhere that's not the UFC. Um, I mean, the UFC is like on year nine of trying to get this guy a title shot. Yeah, they brought him in. Uh, he was always kind of the, one of those top three guys. He never actually got a chance at it. And like I said, it doesn't seem like he's going to at this point. Yeah, they caught him. So, uh, Cut, not signed somewhere else, same thing. Yeah, he doesn't have a job anymore. No check. Um, Davison Figueredo, man who missed weight in his first attempt at a title shot, but still knocked out Joseph Benavidez. So they said, hey, you want to fight Joseph again? And then this time, he dropped him again and put him in a choke. And we're like, well, Joseph's not going to tap out because Joseph knows he's never going to get another title shot. Joseph didn't tap out. Joseph went to sleep. Figueredo beat him again. Um, 19 and one, his only loss over Juicy A Formiga by decision. Um, Figueredo is someone who got on my radar, uh, when he fought Alexander Pandoja uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, he's a really good fighter. I mean, you get 16 finishes at, at uh, flyweight. That's nothing. That's not nothing. The betting line for this one, Steph. Uh, big favorite, Figueredo, minus 300 to plus 250, Alex Perez. I'm going to go ahead and pick, pick the order here. I go first. I'm taking Figueredo. Um, Perez has got some good wins, but Figueredo's just, honestly, just, he's clicking on every level right now. He's just handling business. And, um, hope he wins in dominant fashion and, you know, UFC actually tries to market this fight, this weight class a little bit. Steph, what do you got? Um, I'm pretty sure we're all going shock on this. Um, I, I've taken Figueredo, um, the interesting caveat I will point out because I know it's what we talked about with him. Um, and to the last thing you said, when he won the belt, um, what's his markability going to be? Um, he's a very violent fighter. He gets knockouts. But um, I was of the, I'm the doomsayer who says he's just too small for anyone to care. Um, and looking at the depth of this card, seems like they're setting him up to fail, and it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I'll be curious to know what the numbers are on this. I don't think they're going to be good. I don't think it's going to sell well. He's going to get a knockout. He's going he's gonna to win in violent devastating fashion and no one will have watched like um uh, steph, he should probably me, it's just kind of what i believe with is unfortunately this guy's fate he, steph he should probably learn enough english just to at the end of this fight call henry cejudo every name in the book right yeah i, mean, I, don't, I don't know i don't know what else to do yeah, like that's all henry i got did that no one paid attention either so yeah. that's what my whole thing is henry is waiting for this payday that no one's ever going to give him because he's never proven that he's a draw like no one took yeah. Henry seriously when he did the mean guy shtick. Why is anyone going to take English as a second language Figueroa seriously to call out the other guy they didn't pay attention to? Like, I just think it's a doom division. The guy is violent. It'll be a knockout. That'll be fun. But I just I don't know what's going on with this division as a as a just in practice. Mike, um, what do you got in this one? Well, Bobby, you can't go against a fight odd like our esteemed Stefan. Um, you know so eloquently said earlier and man mighty mouse couldn't make this division pop Cejudo and all his bullshit couldn't make this division pop i didn't even know figurito was fighting up until you sent the rundown earlier today i'm like man i forgot this dude existed let alone he had a fight coming up and also Valentina has way more name recognition oh, than Figueroa. I'm, I'm not sure you got to that part of the podcast from last week where I was almost angry that she isn't the main event. Like, I was this close. I'm like, why isn't she the main event? The fuck are we doing? 
Well, like, I listened to you guys' podcast on Tuesday night when I was going to bed. Uh, very nice, uh, you know, sleeping material. You guys have very lovely voices, and I think I missed that part. Yeah, I, I that actively bothers me. Like, she, it's the same. I mean, I know the logic of, like, oh, the bigger one should main event, which isn't true anyway. They're the same size, and one of them's got, like, three defenses. Shashenko's probably taller. Possibly. So you got you got Figueroa? Yes, I do, sir. Yeah, uh, Mark. You know, there's a man sitting in Washington trying to buy a PS5 that, you know, ruled this division. And I'm just saying, if he can't go back to 1FC, why don't they just ask him to come back? You know, Mighty Mouse just wants to get a check now. He wants to work. Uh, I think it'd be make everybody happier, or just me. Anyway, what's your pick? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have Figueroa too, and, and I actually agree with all of the analysis, and mostly when it comes to, to the drawing power of him potentially as a fighter, um, and more, you know, relevant recently is like how this card's going to do. Because um, I do, I think for a while we, we we absolutely talked about the flyweight division, and for a while it seemed like well maybe it's not as popular because DJ is just not getting a lot of finishes. He's these fights aren't competitive, you know. And then Henry kind of proved that wrong. Henry went in and just smashed fucking people. And he he talked a lot of shit. He really tried to hype things up. And he's kind of, I, I think he got the most eyes on the division that it has ever gotten. Did he um, ever defend it? Yeah, and I don't think he defended it. What, what? There we go. He beat, he beat TJ, right? He went up to, oh, TJ actually he did defend it against TJ. TJ went right. down to, yeah. So, I mean, but I think, I think it just says a lot when you have a guy like Henry who's this multi- you know, Olympic gold winning guy. So he has that kind of credibility. He speaks English, right? That's a big thing in this particular fight. Um, and he was having fantastic performances. And I, I, I think Henry did move the needle a little bit, but not enough. And I don't think Figueroa is just, he has those. I mean, I think what he, he checks off easily is the exciting. He makes exciting finishing fights. And I think Alex Perez, especially in his last recent performances is very much of that same suit. And when you get these two guys together on paper, it's like, well, this should be really fun. It's just, is this fun enough to captivate you to pay 60 bucks for it? I'm like, I don't know. That's a really tough sell. Um, so, yeah, I do have Figueroa. Um, I think this could be a really fun fight. I think Alex has a decent shot of winning this because we've seen Figueroa fight. He kind of just goes balls to the wall. Oh, he's and, fucking wild as shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild and measured, but in these big exchanges where he's throwing these big looping punches, I can absolutely see, you know, at this weight division where these guys move so fast, someone potentially taking advantage of that. And Alex Perez has definitely on paper shown that he's capable of potentially doing that, but it's hard to pick against Figueroa when he's had these performances against uh, uh, Joseph Benavidez, you know, one of the guys that we've always thought was number two in this division. And when DJ and Henry moved out of it, we thought finally this is going to be when he reigns and then Figueroa kind of, you know, shipped yeah, in the cereal. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's going to win this fight. I think it, I think potentially it could be a very exciting fight. I don't think a lot of people are going to see it. Um, and I think, Maybe if you want to make him a more marketable guy, he has to be on the card where there's a John Jones or something. So more of the regular fan base gets well, exposure to him. But I don't even know if that's going to be enough for to sell a pay-per-view like this where he is the sell. He's the you know sell. What it is? I don't they don't need a, they, they don't need to because they get a baseline of minimum for each of these pay-per-views. And I think we can start piecing together what's going on here, which is they load some of them up when they think they can pass the like they get paid. I think as like the equivalent of a five hundred thousand pay per view, no matter what. I think that's the number people are saying based on a deal. So this one out here is not going to sell five hundred. It's probably going to do better than we think because all these are doing better than we think. This ESPN deal is actually working out well for them. But it's kind of like they're just like let's just throw these on there because we're not we're not going to sell. Honestly, I think you're at. I mean, this is like the weight class where people are just like we all like. 
it's I all will, be like we we everybody we gotta like assume the promotion is just giving up trying to promote anybody because it's not like like I'm not I'm not saying they're gonna sell like Steph you're I, I mean I'll go to you in a second here but I'm not like, I'm not saying they're gonna sell like this is like fucking Conor McGregor or they're gonna sell like John Jones or you know any of these guys but they can do better if the UFC tries a little bit you know like go in the step in the direction of making us care a little bit. But that's all I wanted to say. Um, Stefan, go ahead. So I was just going to chime in here. Um, you know, we were a little light on news this week, but I think what kind of tangentially relates to this based on this, uh, you know, I noticed you said this ESPN deal is actually working out well for them. That's an interesting caveat based on ESPN just laid off a lot of employees and just put like 70% of their website behind paywall content. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's one of those, keep an eye to the future too, like, if the UFC is like, yeah, we're just going to put out not great events because you're paying us, um, that doesn't bode well when renegotiation comes back. So um, like we say, a lot of things they do are incredibly short-sighted. Um, and if that ends up being like a strategy for them is to put on volume, not quantity or quality, like that that could come to bite them in the long term too. So uh, that's obviously nothing we're going to know about in the immediate future, but it's definitely something to pay attention to in the coming months and years. Yeah, when we have some time on one of these podcasts, I mean, we always have time, but let's, when we have the energy, um, you guys can all hear my theory how I think that, uh, ESPN is going to buy the entire company. I honestly believe that. The more I hear about Endeavor not doing so hot, I honestly believe the UFC is going to buy the whole, I mean, ESPN is going to buy the whole sport. So, um, co-main event, my favorite female fighter, uh, Valentina Shevchenko is defending her title. Um, she is a absurd Fedor level, uh, favorite. She's taken on Jennifer Maya, who has, I mean, anybody can win. This is MMA, but she's probably not going to win, um, on her one fight win streak where, uh, and Joanne Calderwood was going to get a title shot and said not, and then Valentina couldn't fight. So Jojo's like, no, I'll fight somebody else. And then JoJo lost in less than a round, and we all just saw it happen. Watched it happen, like JoJo was giving away her title shot. It wasn't like a fluke, it was just a slow, methodical, JoJo is losing her title shot. Here it is, here it is, there it went. Um, betting line, Stefan, for Valentina versus Jennifer Maya. Uh, contrary to what you said, Bob, so Valentina is coming in at minus 1,400, um, and next to Jennifer Maya is a YouTube link, and when you click it, it goes to Vince McMahon's theme song. Uh, which is no chance in hell, and uh, <laughs> that's about what uh, Jennifer Myers. So uh, unfortunate for her. Um, can I choose the order? Because I think uh, we can just do a big shock line across Valentina here. Uh, yes, <laughs> I don't have any more. No like you said, she deserves to be the main event because, in spite of Amanda Nunes, uh, it's like what I used to say about Cormier until he uh, most recently lost to Stipe. For all we know, maybe she's the number two woman of all time. Because she just has seems to have an Amanda Nunes problem, but um, yeah, this, yeah, I, I think I think Stefan, more and more, you're coming around to my idea that we should retroactively just lie to people and say she won one of those fights against Amanda, so we can justify a third fight. I, I think know, that's what we need to get like, to. It's like it sucks because they were so close, and it's kind of sad. Is some of the most, their most uneventful fights happen to be against each other? They really just stalemated a lot and. They really weren't either. Their great performance. Yeah, they weren't even good fights. Is the sad part. Yeah, like, it's, like, it'd so be... it's just so hard to make the argument for the third one. <laughs> if they were two good fights, at least you could be like, okay, let's force it. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to fight Whaley, but Whaley should probably defend that belt a little bit. Uh, by the way, word I mean, is Whaley is going to fight Rose soon. 
Wei Li should probably be able to get out of China at some point. Like, yeah, you guys remember Wei Li after her last win was like the beginning of uh, COVID, where she's just like, "Don't worry, we have COVID under control in China," and I'm just like, "Oh, that's that. I don't believe any of this. We're all fucked. <laughs> we're all fucked." <laughs> um, yeah, we're all picking. Um, we're all picking Miss uh, Shevchenko to win. Does anybody think she doesn't get a finish? Because I mean, Maya's a tough fighter. Does anybody think that uh, she doesn't finish uh, Jennifer Maya? I think it's possible. It's possible in the cards. I mean, she doesn't. She's she's had a pretty good track record record recently of you know finishing a lot of her uh, opponents. But there's definitely been some some fights where she doesn't. And and you know, I think for any fighter going into a title fight, you know, sometimes you can play it a little extra defensive. You know, maybe not go for it. So if Jennifer is not really going after it and is just trying to survive in there. Yeah, it, it makes it tough to, to finish a fighter who doesn't come to the song and dance. Um, what I what I what I do want to say because I I think you know we're all going to pick Valentina. And I think what you mentioned uh, with the Figueroa fight a second ago, and I think it's an easy thing for us to say, and it's hard for me because you basically say like, why didn't the UFC even try promoting Figueroa? Like, why don't they even give a shot? What would you want them to do with Davidson Figueroa? I don't really know how you promote him, but that comment let me think like. They should definitely be promoting the fucking shit out of Valentina because not only is she the super dominant champion and she speaks English, she's also kind of becoming a star in her own right outside of the UFC because of this movie she did with Halle Berry. Yep. Halle Berry is totally on board. I think, again, I think UFC drops the ball in, in a lot of instances where they could potentially be taking opportunities to promote them a little bit better. But there's also times where it's like they outside of the organization themselves are able to get promotion for themselves and i think i mean bobby do you know much about this movie it's, it's something mma related and i know Bobby's i think Hall isn't halle berry plays some sort of mma fighter maybe like that. i don't know, I know she's in it i know uh Malin ackerman is in the movie if i'm right yeah and i just think she there's a bit of a spotlight on her and i think why not now more than ever that she should be doing talk shows and stuff? And I think that was really my question. When you said like, oh, they should do well, honestly, promotion. Well, like, here's the thing, man. If, mean exactly. What is I their... don't know, but if you're taking 80% as the promoter, you should do something. Right. And I think I think it's just it's put really... her on, put him on Brazilian talk shows. Yeah. I don't know. Get him a get him a translator, send him on literally anything, and show highlights of him fucking people up. Yeah, something. and I think but the thing is like I'm not following Figaro enough to know they're not doing that. He could be fucking all over Brazilian TV. Well, right know. now, also, it's like, what are you going to do now? It, it, it's a little bit tough yeah. now. But I, but I think when, so I think it's very easy for us to play armchair promotion guy and just be like, why aren't you promoting this? And what I did want to say is one thing I do like the UFC does, and it's not enough. Um, their YouTube channel, I think, does a decent job of trying to get people up to date with these cards. Every time there's a card, I've noticed they put a video like, these are five fighters you should watch on this upcoming card. Here's a bunch of highlights of them. I think that's a decent job. I don't think it's enough exposure. Your YouTube channel is just talking to people that are already interested. They need to be reaching out to people that aren't aware that the, the fight's going on. Um, and I think Valentino is that type of star where they could be making a much better push. And I think when I think of Figueroa, it's like, it's kind of like, what do you do with this guy? I don't really know. But Valentino is someone that should be on Conan. Right, even even in the pandemic, they're doing. Oh, you know, you know what Conan would do, dude. Conan would be like his shtick of like, oh, pretty lady that can kick my ass, you know that type of thing. Like, yeah, except you can imagine Conan's shtick. Yeah, she can't put him in a rear naked choke. But you know what she could do? She does the little salsa dance. She can also be like, oh, why yeah. You, you, Valentina I mean, speaks fluent Spanish. She could go on like Univision. And yo, when you, when you watch book. these, yeah, exactly. When you watch these pay per views, it says, do you want to watch this shit in English or Spanish? And they charge the same amount for ESPN Deportes pay per views. 
years. Okay. Yeah, by the way, this is, I'm just going to say this again. By the way, we are on how many years of after Amanda Nunes smoked Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunes still ain't been on Ellen. All right. Amanda yeah. Nunes got married. Amanda Nunes got a kid now. Amanda Nunes is like the most prominent. Like, she's like, are there any Ooh. other gay champions with two belts in any sport? Well, Anybody maybe, got <laughs> maybe it's that. Amanda Nunes heard through the grapevine how horrible of a person Ellen is. Her so, hey, okay, Ellen's kind of mean. So, well, Amanda will fuck her up when she's there. Well, she'll sort that out, guys. Um, also on this card, by the way, since Valentina's on there, I'm not sure she's ever been on the uh, fighting the same night as her sister before. I'm not sure if that's a thing. Um, Antonia Shevchenko's also on this card in the UFC, pulling a classic UFC move of having two attractive women fight each other. On the undercard, hoping people will pay for the pay-per-view. So that's happening uh, as she takes on Ariane Lipsky. Um, also on this card, human disaster Mike Perry, who we all learned a lot of stuff about with his ex, with his ex-wife, fiance, talking about how much of an abuser he is, and she had to run to his mom to get help from him. Well, he's on this card, so that's happening. His cornermen are going to be his pregnant girlfriend. And his friend, who is not a fighter, so Darren Till's bid of ten thousand dollars, which if I was Mike Perry, I should have taken because I would have taken because court fees are coming up, uh, was not accepted. Um, taking on Tim Means, it was supposed to be Robbie Lawler. Um, we all were looking forward to Robbie Lawler beat the f- shit out of this human shit stain. Um, I might have messed up the terminology, but I won't beat the shit out of a human shit stain. But you guys got what I meant. Instead, Tim Means. Which means I got to say I got to say Tim means business um, is on this card taking on Mike Perry. Stefan, what's the betting line? Uh, surprisingly close, but we have Mike Perry at minus one fifty to Tim means plus one thirty. Mike, pick the order. If you beat the shit out of a human shit, yeah, thing, I know, I messed it up. Okay, I messed it up. I you're know. Basically, <laughs> just doing laundry, no? Kind maybe. Anyway, what's the order? Anyway. I'm going to go first for not the reason you're saying because he's a reprehensible human being. I'm going to go with Tim Means, mainly because he's not going to have Darren Till in his quarter. I really wanted to see him with Darren Till in his quarter. That would have been pretty funny TV. Okay. Uh, yeah, I stand by my analysis. Hey, uh, Bobby, why don't you go next? I'm going to take Tim Means because Mike Perry's a reprehensible human being. Also because his name is the Dirty Bird. His nickname is the Dirty Bird, Tim Means. As, as much as I want it to be Tim Means business, he's the Dirty Bird. And while the man isn't from Atlanta, I'm really feeling the state of Georgia at the moment. You know, God, good people over there. And there's most of the people in Atlanta. So I'm going to take Tim Means here. Well, hold your judgment on the people of Georgia until about mid-January. You know what? When they, already, they already took care of – they already took Georgia for Biden. I'm, I'm – I'm good. No, they, still, they, they still got more work to do. The, I, go, go, go Stacey Abrams. That's why I'm picking this. <laughs> I feel that no one has told Tim Means. His nickname should be Tim Means Business. I feel like we can still get that to him. You know, if we really put some dedication to this podcast, I think in six months we get an interview with Tim Means. Um, it doesn't matter because uh, this is a thing not everyone will notice, but it's uh, one of the things that infuriates me about Buffer in the UFC. Uh, he's incapable of placing the middle name or the nickname anywhere but between the first and the last name, even though when that's not the flow of the nickname whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch old cards. He'll miss if, if it should be the first thing, you know, if it should be like yeah. Fabulous Freddy, 
he'll be Freddy Fabulous last name. He always has to put it in the middle. He's incapable of changing that. So and that's Tim why Tim means, means not good. So it would be Tim Business Means is how Buffer would call it. And it would never work, Mike. It would so, never so work. So Steph, who's your pick for this fight? Um, Tim Business going Means. on moral picks. Um, what I will recommend, I can't remember. I don't think Kareem is the author, though I usually give him credit for all the real journalistic pieces. Uh, Bloody Elbow had a good editorial on how not seriously Dana White takes domestic abuse charges. And it's not just Perry. It's not just Hardy. It is a lengthy history of him not caring about whenever there is a domestic abuse charge. It's him giving lip service and then doling out no punishment, no suspensions, letting him fight. Um, if there wasn't a hard conviction, then it didn't happen whatsoever uh, in Dana White's mind. Um, there's Steph, do you do you think that the only time the UFC actually treats these people like independent contractors is when it comes to their legal problems? That's when they're like, independent contractors, bro, we got nothing to do with this, but make sure you wear the uniform we give you, for sure. Do that for sure. No sponsors. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Um, yeah, it's a, like I said, shitty people, shitty business. It's tough to like it, but uh, that said, yeah, I get why you're making the uh, means pick, but uh, when means looks like he's slow, has too much mileage, and this young, vibrant asshole is just styling on him. He'll be like, why is this the guy we sent to defeat the evil domestic abuser? Can't we send someone better at him? You got to send someone better than Tim Means. Tim Means can't get it done. Hey, Wait, young... what was the betting line? Uh, coin toss, 150 to plus Okay, I wanted to make sure I wasn't going too far off the reservation. Okay. No, I <laughs> okay. Means looks... We know what it, he is. He's come yeah. from a long line of action fighters who eventually hit so much mileage on their odometer. Yeah, yeah, we're 43 it, fights in. It's, we're 43 it's, fights in. And yeah. Means is in that territory. It only looks ugly from here on out for that guy. I mean, look, it wasn't just a moral pick. Mike Perry ain't training with anybody, and he's got his girlfriend in his corner. It wasn't, he, I wasn't it totally... It worked ugly. last time, didn't it? Look, if Darren Till was in the corner, maybe Don't we water, did. babe? Should I put ice <laughs> on your neck? His last, his last fight, oh, he you had mean. his girlfriend who knew nothing about MMA, and now he's got his boy as well in his corner who knows nothing about MMA. So that's twice the non-knowledge of people that know shit about the sport. So <laughs> I liked his girlfriend last time saying, I liked his girlfriend. It was just like, last time, God bless her. She's just like, do, do, do I give you more ice? ice? Yeah. Do you want the ice? Yeah. <laughs> do you want like, the just, ice? Just put it on the neck. <laughs> just put it here. Also, also stuff, a vibrant asshole. Um, I feel I've seen a Pornhub video by that name. Mark, why don't you finish this off? <laughs> I've uh, also yeah, heard that as well in Pornhub. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you always <laughs> pronounce <laughs> pronouns in the Pornhub titles. Um, yeah, but uh, I think this is actually, I think this is a tough fight to pick. Um, I'm also going to go with Mike Perry. I, I it, This has nothing to do with him personally as a person because he's a garbage person. And I would absolutely encourage everyone to read the story on MMA junkie where his former wife, um, you know, basically tells, you know, these accounts, like, like Bobby said, um, and after playing some among us, those accounts are very detailed and they speak to me that she is speaking the truth because it would be hard to fabricate such a detailed story. Um, she went to his mom for the love of God to yeah, hide from and, him. And I think, I think it's easy. And his I think mom Dana's, called the police. Well, Dana's response was like, Oh, well she pressed charges and like, they didn't go through. So, it sounds like bullshit. And then when you hear her side of the story, she's like, well, I left out a lot of important details about him beating the shit out of me because I didn't want to ruin his life. And and she basically says, like, I still don't want to ruin his life, but I feel like it's important to talk about these things so other victims of domestic abuse can come out and feel and basically, you know, 
be someone that, that you know basically be a light for these other people be like look at this happened to me i'm talking about it i'm affronting it and i want you to be able and i think she has actually started to be in that kind of industry where she's talking to victims and trying to help them which i think is awesome and fantastic and you know Mary, mike, mike perry is, is a shitty person who's made really bad fucking mistakes and he's should be really grateful that his ex-wife is not pressing charges harder on him and is kind of letting bygones be bygones and Hopefully he gets his shit together because obviously I was thinking honestly last week after doing the um, Jason Mayhem Miller crime rundown I was like Mike Perry's got to have a good rap sheet on him here let's pull up that Wikipedia page uh, sadly you know Jason Mayhem Miller is kind of a needle in a haystack that that that, Yo, that, that, that Jeff was Monson any other ones I could find um, that all being said uh, you know when I look at the records of the two Mike Perry does have some decent names on here he was able to get wins on um, you know and Tim means does as well i'm just a little bit more impressed with you know some of the scalps that mike perry has been able to collect throughout his career and i think he's going to be able to potentially get a win here but i do think it's really close i think tim means is you know very capable of making this a dirty fight like he likes to do and, and gassing mike perry out but perry also has um you know a lot of power um that he might be able to catch tim with early um and and we also saw in his last fight you know not having a corner and that device does not seem to dishearten him a lot he's always had his significant others in the corner um and we used to think that was a big determining factor of why he wasn't making the proper adjustments but against mickey gall he didn't need it and he seemed to be just fine about it so that could really come back to bite him in the ass because tim means might present a lot of different issues that the corner is not going to be able to help him work out he's going to have to do it on the fly um but i do think he's capable of getting a win here so i'm going to go with him even though it's kind of one of those things where it's a dirty pick where it's like i'm okay losing if i lose this pick at least the guy that really deserves to get his ass kicked will probably get his ass kicked. And if I'm right, I get another notch on that record. So whatever. You're muted, Bob. That's everybody, right? Tis us all. We all chose. All right. Caitlin Chukasian, Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, Caitlin Chukasian apparently just fought, Mark told me. <laughs> like very, very recently, right? Basically, it was... Uh, as of recording, as you're hearing this, it would be just about a month. She fought on October 18th. You're listening to this on the 17th. We're recording on the 16th. So and she got knocked out. And she lost in the first round. So kind of a quick turnaround. Sometimes yeah. there's like a six-month suspension. The commission was like, you're cool. Go fight next month. You're fine. Yeah. You, can you get on the flight from Abu Dhabi back to Vegas? All right. Your body doesn't hurt that much from the body, the body shot KO? Okay. Um, Cynthia Calvillo wants a title shot if she wins. I did not know, think Cynthia Calvillo was doing well enough to justify any that, that that type of bullshit coming out of her mouth, but she is she has not lost in four fights. One of those is a draw in the middle there, but um, I'm going back to 2018 to do that. Uh, her last win being back in June over Jessica I. Uh, Jessica I missed weight by one and a quarter pounds. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan. Uh, Cynthia is a pretty decent favorite at minus 255 to Caitlin's plus 215. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'll take Cynthia, but I don't think she's... I don't think she's that good. Straight up. I, I, like, I remember like the first fight I was impressed with her when she showed up. But like, I don't think she's getting better at all. I know she switched over to AKA at the beginning of this year. Which I don't know if they have a second female fighter at AKA. I'm sure they do, but you know what I mean. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but she isn't losing, so good for her. I, I just don't like picking somebody who I don't want to pick Caitlyn Jukasian because she fought three and a half, four weeks ago, 
and got knocked out. Be it body or not. So yeah, I got I got Calvillo stuff. Who do you got? Um, the upside here is Caitlin need not worry about getting knocked out again. Um, I am chronically underimpressed by yeah. uh, Calvillo. Um, I'm picking her to win because she wins. But the reason we're not impressed is she scrapes by and outworks not necessarily that great of names. Like yep. the the women she beats, we kind of know where they stand, right? You know, Jessica I, she's really not title material, right? She's just another tries hard, is tough, not really that great of a skill set. And it's kind of rinse and repeat for a lot of Cynthia's fights. She she doesn't have particularly great striking power. She she can control position, but she doesn't have like a dominant takedown game or like a submission threatening ground game. Like she works a lot and she controls a lot, so she kind of just work rates wins her fights. It, it's not super impressive, and it never seems to get better. She so. never learned the Team Alpha Male overhand right stuff on. That's like day two of Team Alpha Male is the overhand right. Month two is the rear naked choke. Then you learn to guillotine in like month three. That's like 90% of what you learn there. So she just very much is what she is, and so she's getting wins, so you can't hold that against her. And if she deserves the title shot, she deserves the title shot. But it's like... Once she gets it, you're not going to pick her, right? You're going to get another Jennifer Maya as oh, massive underdog. Like, Woo. so it's, it's <laughs> if she gets it, she, you know she earned it. But you're just not really going to expect much if she gets there. So, um, yeah, Caitlin, tough to see her eking it out. I just see unanimous decision, Calbio. You know, twenty nine, twenty eight, most likely even that, that that that's a high likelihood for me. One of your dogs startled the other dog, Stefan. Yeah, they're getting riled up now. It's Lu- Lu- it's the wishing hour in the book. Lu- Lu- Lumpa all of a sudden was very concerned. Lumpio right. was very concerned. Uh, Mike, who do you got? <laughs> yeah, she was busy, uh, you know, chomping away at her toy, and you know, she got real alert all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Calvillo as well. Um, you don't have to knock people out in this sport. You just got to get the win. And apparently you don't have to win multiple in a row to get a title shot either. So I am a-okay with Cynthia getting the title shot after she ekes out a unanimous decision. I mean, Mike, you talk shit on the draw, but now you're acknowledging the draw doesn't halt your momentum, baby. It keeps it going. The draw is not a loss. It happened. She's fought one time. Oh, she's back in this weight class for first fight. Mark, who do you got? Uh, I'm also going for Cynthia, but I, I agree. You know, I think we had a lot of high hopes when we first saw her. She she, she looked like she had a skill set. I mean, she does great scrambles on the ground, and I, I think there's been a lack of ability to get those fights in those positions frequently enough for her to really just impress us, um, but I still think she's going to win this fight. Yep. Um, opening up the main card, Paul Craig, Mauricio Shogun Hua. Or Shogun, as Anderson used to say. Um, these guys fought a couple... It was like, I don't know how long ago it was. Two fights ago for Shogun. That's how long ago it was. Um, with a draw happening back in November of 2019. November 16th, 2019, they fought. It has been, as of recording, exactly one day since they... One year since they fought. Um, in that time, Shogun fought one time. Fought uh, Little Nog again for no reason. Really, just to make us all sad about what what we're watching, won a split decision. Um, I was I was kind of harsh. That fight was actually pretty good. Um, Mark looking at me like, yeah, it was good. Um, and then um, Paul Craig fought one time, beat a gentleman with a name so long and complicated. I will struggle to say it correctly. Godza Murad Antagulov. Uh, back in July, won by the way Paul Craig wins fights, folks. Triangle choke. Mark, pick the order. 
Uh, I'll go first. Um, one, I, I did want to correct. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Stefan, betting odds. Uh, near coin flip. Um, well, not quite. Um, minus 165, favorite Paul Craig, plus 145, Shogun Hula. Marcus, go ahead. Sorry. So I, I, I did. I, you know, I shook my head when you said, like, oh, the Little Nog fight. Why do we do that again? Because that's what we thought going into that fight. And I thought the same thing. Even right, right when it started, I was like, why are we doing this again? And they had a fucking fantastic fucking fight. And I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are incapable of having a boring fight. They should just keep fighting each other because that was really fun to watch. Um, and I remembered that. And I like this fight a lot. I actually really enjoy Paul Craig's kind of style. He's so slick on the bottom. Um, I am going to go with Shogun in this one, even though, you know, he is the underdog. Uh, mostly because that Little Nog fight, I mean, I think it's it's really easy for us to write off these guys. Because they, I mean, Little Nog and uh, Shogun, because they've been in the sport for way too long. And they've had skids and light heavyweight that have just been really bad where they've not been able to get it together. Shogun's been kind of correcting chip for a while. And even that little dog fight, which maybe you can look at that and be like, well, it being a close, hard fight kind of says like, well, maybe Shogun can't keep pace with these, you know, up and coming fighters. And maybe that is the case. But what I saw in that fight was a guy that still has it, that can still pull the trigger, that can still get hit and survive. Um, so I, I like him in this fight. And, and we also did before we, uh, you know, started doing the show. You did look up that not only they got a draw, but who did the, the, the audience actually think won that fight? And I guess a lot of people thought Shogun won that first fight. So I think going into this one maybe has a little momentum there. So I'm going to go with Shogun. But Mike, who are you picking in this one? See, this is one of the issues when you have two laptops open at the same time. I keep pressing the button on the wrong laptop to unmute myself. So Okay, uh, Hackman, right. just keep it to one and give me a pick. I got two. I got. I, I got, got two in front of me too. Got trip minds right now, man. This is this is what's <laughs> up. Um, one of the great things about acknowledging that I am not going to catch you in the standings for this year, Mark, is that it frees me from making sensible choices in my fight picks, and it allows me to chip pick emotionally. And considering this is very well, I think. Shogun's last fight in the UFC. The man is curtain jerking now. I'm wait, wait, wait! You think this man who has not law, who's barely losing fights, is going away? Yo, man! Just because he hasn't won any, just because he's won all his fights, I still think he's close to retire. Man's about to get a title shot, but okay. I still think he's going to win. Look, here is my crazy 2021 prediction: Shogun's going to win this fight. He's going to want a title shot. USC is going to say, are you fucking crazy? And then he's going to go to another promotion. Okay. So you got Shogun. I've got Shogun. All right. All right. Marcus. And uh, Bob, why don't you go ahead? Um, okay. I got Shogun. Three reasons. Okay. No, two. I was going to say he's Shogun. That doesn't count anymore. <laughs> All right. Doesn't count. All right. Number one, Paul Craig has never won a UFC fight. Unless he won by submission. Almost all those by triangle choke. All right? He's not... That's not happening. I'm just going to tell you right now. Paul Craig. Write it down. Put on the bulletin board. Paul Craig is not triangle choking Shogun. All right? It's not happening. No way. No how. Um, second of all, it's Shogun's birthday. In like five days. Man's turning 39 years old. He wants to show he can still do it, folks. So, yeah. I'm picking Shogun. He's going to get it done. Did not mean to rhyme right there. Stefan. <laughs> Man, what is wrong with all of you guys? I'm picking Shogun. 
Oh man, what, what happened in this fight? Um, <laughs> <I knew what laughs> We're gonna look real stupid next week. I was like, well, he got knocked out in twelve. No, he's gonna get triangle choked after my big fucking better. That would really—you really put a lot of eggs in that basket. I mean, my reasoning is Paul Craig is susceptible to the knockout and the submission. He's, you know, he's fun when he gets a slick submission, but he's not a top end guy. I think he's a back fifteen guy. Uh, when it's all said and done. And for all of Mike's hating on the old man, I'm like, low-key, we got, like, Glover Jr. over here. Guys that we think are done and washed, but, like, oh, no, they're actually still churning along pretty damn well. And, uh, like, Glover is obviously a step ahead because he is arguably the deserving contender right now. But, like, you know, outside of dropping to uh, Anthony Smith on his run before he realized he was a bum again, um, yeah, if he's got a, a lot more wins in his column over the last few years than you'd imagine for a guy who I was, seems really I was, done at this point. I was but. pretty surprised when I was doing my research on Shogun today where I just assumed he was just like washed. That I saw like, holy shit, he's only lost once in like three years. I was really surprised at that. He's Shogun. Maybe it does count. So we literally all just took Shogun, right? Yeah, that's that what happens. Foolish. We'll look foolish. In a near you. underdog yeah. coin flip, we all went the wrong side of things. Um, let's do stuff we like. I'm going to end it uh, with my wrestling talk because there's really a lot. And it's not going to, some of it's not going to be stuff I like, to be honest. Uh, some stuff we really didn't like, weren't surprised by, but didn't like. But stuff we like. Um, I kind of want stuff on to tell me how much fun he's playing. He has playing Spider-Man, even though I know we've talked about that before. But please talk about that, too. Oh, it's a different Spider-Man now. It is the new Spider-Man. It is the Spider-Man of the modern age. It is that mixed ethnicity kid from Brooklyn. Um, now residing in Harlem per the canon of the story. Um, but uh, into the Spider-Verse star uh, Miles Morales. Um, we got his expansion. Basically, I, I, Mark, I forget what you call it. It's more of an expansion, right? Yeah. yeah um, standalone adventure, but follows on the events of, was that 2018 or 2019 Spider-Man? Uh, 18. 18. Um, yeah, when that game came out, Mark and I fucking loved it. Spent so much. I think we arguably agreed it was our favorite game of the year in a pretty stacked year of really great games. Um, just because of how much we personally enjoyed it. And honestly, as soon as I got back into the web swinging around the city it, with Miles, it felt like home again. What, um, Steph, is it an add-on or is it part? Is it new, like a different... It's, like, it's a standalone. Yeah. It's a... Uh, okay, so you don't have to buy the original. Ticket. No, and there's a whole... It could do previously on, and it recaps the events of his participation in the previous chapter. But it really just takes over, but it's a continuation of the universe. Um, really, it's like Spider-Man 1.5... It's just kind of uh, priming that there will be another really big sequel, um, probably sometime on the PS5, I have to imagine. Um, but yeah, it's just so fun. It's really short. Um, I think Mark kind of said it's like a 9 to 10 hour game. I've only been playing it for a couple of days, and I noticed my progress bar is already like 30-something percent. So How much? Um, 50, but uh, you get it for the PS4 and PS5. So I appreciate okay. that these late-gen games are doing that. Um, it'll be nice that Whenever you can get your hands on a PS5, you know, you won't have an empty library. But, um, yeah, I'm not so far to, you know, give away any story beats. But, like, everything you liked about the uh, 2018 Spider-Man, it's just that and more with Miles, you know. Um, it's a fun cast of characters. I think Into the Spider-Verse started to introduce his universe, you know. You got his mom, his dad, um, you know, you got Genki, 
who they basically stole with the Filipino dude that's in the Homecoming movies. Um, but yeah, these, you know, uh, Mark, I, I agree with you on the sentiment is like Spider-Man is super iconic. He's not necessarily my favorite character in Marvel. Maybe it's a little bit of overexposure. So just getting to experience it through Miles is just such a like breath of fresh air. I think uh, it really just adds a fresh twist on the character. But um, I'm loving it a lot. I know you are too, so I'm sure you might want to say something on it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I love Marvel Cinematic Universe, comics, whatever. I'm I'm in hard. And that's why like when I play Miles Morales, I have a huge fucking smile on my face. And I'm just, like, again, even in a year where they're, like, stacked, this would probably easily be one of my favorite games just because there's something in trend. Like, every... For the average person that might be like, oh, this is a good game for me. It's like, this is fucking fantastic. I, I love every second of this. I love going into his apartment and looking at all the pictures and, you know, getting the backstory and just being in this world again. Uh, and I think Insomniac just does top-notch job, you know, especially just coming off of playing the Avengers game, which had a decent campaign. This just blows it out of the water. You're so much more ingrained with the characters. You're, you buy into everything so much more. Um, I'm also early into it, and this is one of those games where it's like, I almost don't want to play it too much because I just don't want it to end. I don't want to be done with this and not have another fun AAA Marvel game to to have on my my shelf to play. But, you know, th- this is kind of what we, we knew going in. This was going to be more of a smaller kind of bite-sized thing. Like it like you said, Steph, eight, ten hours to beat it. Um, and they do incentivize you to have a new game plus. You get new abilities and new suits and stuff. But yeah, I've absolutely been liking it and loving it, I should say. And it, even playing it on a PS4, which I was kind of hesitant to do, it seems like you're obviously playing the lesser than version. Obviously, in an ideal world, I would have a PS5, have a 4K TV, and would get the true experience. And I think that would be even more amazing. But I just like that series and that game so much i couldn't wait i also i was just like i like this too much why am i why am i hurting myself waiting i just want to play it instantly and be part of the conversation and you know watch everyone talk about it and just get to experience it and honestly on the ps4 it has not been that bad um i mean i really think with these generational games what we're seeing with the ps5 is that it's better it's obviously better but the things that it's better at are kind of minute it's like the loading times are super fast fucking awesome the control on the ps5 has all these extra, you know, whistles and doodads. Awesome. But it's not a big fundamental change to the system. So, yeah, I've really been enjoying it. And even playing on it, I, I would say if you like the first uh, Marvel Spider-Man um, and you don't have a PS5 and you're kind of waiting for that, I think if you really liked it, don't wait. Just go ahead and play it. Like Steph said, you'll have a ver- you'll, your version will carry over to the PS5 and you can experience it there when you eventually do get that system. But I've really been liking it and I have not felt bad about dipping in early. Um, so I know Steph just left. So that's going to be stuff I like, too. Um, besides that, I've been playing Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and that's been fun. And I'll also say, you know, the PS5 and Xbox Series X came out last week, so there's been lots of people playing that. Um, and I did watch a full playthrough of Astrobot's uh, Playroom, which is the packing game for the PS5. And all I want to say is someone that... I can openly admit, I'm just a, a PlayStation fanboy. I've had every PlayStation system just because they cater to what I like. That game is just fucking fan service done immaculately. Just it's really it's really fun. Each of the levels is basically a throwback or like it basically shows you what the PS5 is capable of. Like, oh, here's the memory and here's the the sound or whatever. But each kind of level is you're going to be unlocking stuff from each generation of PlayStation. And then when you finish the level, the last little bit of the last bit of the stage is they basically play the startup music for each of the systems 
and it is fucking insane that they do it for the PS4 and you feel nostalgic. I'm I'm using that machine right now and they put the startup music and I'm like, oh, remember the PS4? I was like, of course I do. I'm still using the fucking thing. Why? How they can pull those heartstrings, even though like it's not even, how can it be nostalgic? It's still current gen to me. Um, but I think that game is fantastic. I mean, and I think a lot of people that have played it basically say, you know, you don't get a lot of packing games for systems. It is kind of a rare thing. And, and normally it just mostly comes from Nintendo. They've kind of been the best at it. And this is easily one of the best packing games. I think when you, it's it's up in the upper echelons of Wii Sports and Tetris on the Game Boy of just being like, this system is really good at getting you integrated into like what the system's capable of. And this particular game is just a fucking celebration of PlayStation. More so than anyone would really... I was I, Basically, I watched Kyle Bossman, who used to be of Easy Allies, do a full playthrough of it. And he's like, nobody loves PlayStation more than PlayStation. There's so much PlayStation bullshit that even me was like, oh, there's references to shit. Like, there's references I didn't get. There's references that are so deep cuts that 90% of the people playing it will have no idea what's going on. But they just know that 10% is going to see that shit and flip out that they remembered to put a cameo for the digital game Pain, which was like their first PS3 digital game they made. It's just like, why do that? Who cares? Why would you render the the eye toy from the PlayStation 2 in such immaculate detail? Who gives a fuck? But then when I say it, I'm like, I absolutely give a fuck. Thank you for taking the time, not just to make this love letter to the system, but also just have it be free for the PS5. It's just, it's fantastic. So I'm, I'm really, even though I watch someone play all the way through it, I can't wait till that day I eventually get my system and get to experience it myself because it is just a joy as a PlayStation fan. So that's all I got this week. Mike, what do you got? Makes me want to at least uh, watch that game be played because uh, I actually never played the PS3. Like, Ooh, great system, but I get it. It was expensive and everyone got a 360. Yeah, that's why I had a 360. Um, for me this week, it's a person and it's uh, Michelle Obama, mainly because uh, she put up an Instagram post a little earlier today, if I'm right, just uh, reminiscing on what it was like for her four years ago at this point when her and president obama invited uh you know trump melania and the um uh, you know and the the second family as well to to the to the white house you know in regards to the transition um she was very honest in her instagram post talking about that she had mixed feelings about it you know because you know, she was inviting into the White House this dude that had said a lot of really fucked up shit about her husband. and But she knew it was a part of the democratic process and that it needed to be done. As opposed to what's going on right now in this country with our uh, sore loser in chief. And I, I think that, you know, it's it's a shame what's going on. And it's nice to see, um, you know, Michelle Obama in like this post and what she's been doing, I think more recently, just talking out more and even former President Obama in that 60 minute interview where oh, you watch that. You watch that thing, man. I, I watched part of it. I haven't finished watching all of it, but I like good. That, that they're opening up more about shit. That's like you knew they had a lot of issues with. So for me this week, it's Michelle Obama, um, a former for first lady. 
Right on. Yeah, Obama's interview, the whole thing's on the on YouTube channel of 60 minutes, like 27 minutes. Interesting. Um nice to see where guy the president speak with clarity and class and full sentences. Um all right, so um the wrestling couple minutes here. Um first off, uh, Stefan mentioned it. It is the 15th anniversary of the passing of Eddie Guerrero. And I uh, don't think a lot of, I mean, obviously, if you're a new wrestling fan, you probably heard the name because WWE brings him up often. Um, really, anytime Sasha Banks wrestles, that's when. Um, but it's not just them pumping up their, themselves. Eddie Guerrero is one of the greatest wrestlers that ever lived. Well, it's so incredible to me when I look at his Wikipedia page is that he was 38 years old when he died. Oh, yeah. He was so young. Um, like <laughs> in my head, you know, cause we were kids watching Eddie Guerrero. We were little kids when we were watching Eddie Guerrero and WCW, um, and then his Latino heat run. Um, you know, I talk about the pantheon of great theme songs in pro wrestling. Uh, Eddie Guerrero's we lie, we cheat, we steal. That is, that is a like hall of fame first ballot, like pro wrestling entrance theme. Um, but yeah, so he was just always an older guy, you know, and everyone in pro wrestling is usually a little bit older than you think. Um, they can wrestle to pretty late in their years and still keep it going, you know. See, Ric Flair is going to die in that ring one day. Um, but you, you know what's weird to say, Steph, is that you sit here now and you're like, wow, Rey Mysterio is only 45 because we were watching Rey Mysterio wrestle when we were like 10 years old. I swear to God, wrestling <laughs> when he was like 13 years old. Yeah. Like Mexico, like, you finish <laughs> elementary school, son. Here, have a match. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's been in it, like, just lifers. But, yeah, so... Just to realize that Eddie was that young when he passed, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a mind fuck for me. Yeah, we talked about it a bunch of times, but you should check out. Um, we always I always talk about Dark Side of the Ring, and Mike has seen this one too. The Benoit episodes, it's two parts. The first one, really, a lot of it is about Benoit's relationship with Guerrero, and it was among that group of wrestlers who were just so good in the ring. But Eddie was good everywhere, and I by the time he passed away in 05, I wasn't watching wrestling anymore. But, you know, I heard he died. So I was like, well, let me watch the show and see what they do. And, you know, they all have Eddie Guerrero armbands on and everybody's real emotional. And I remember the main event was Shawn Michaels versus Rey Mysterio. And I'm like, oh, they're going to have Rey Mysterio be Shawn Michaels because Eddie Guerrero in honor of Eddie Guerrero. And, uh, yeah, um, I just want to say, is yeah, one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. The best WCW match I've ever seen. And pr I think my second favorite wrestling match ever was Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. from Halloween Havoc 97. Up until the last time my parents moved, I, moved, I still had that on VHS. And um, because Halloween was fairly recent, the UFC, the, I mean, the WWE put up the full match on YouTube. And it's only 14 minutes long. But again, one of the best wrestling matches you'll ever see. Um, Halloween Havoc 97, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr. Look it up. You'll be very satisfied. Um, I've definitely made Mike watch it before, but he was very drunk. And in his defense, so was I. So I'm going to make Mike watch it again. I'm going to hassle him about it. <laughs> um, the other thing um, from was what's it called last week? Or no, am I inventing that? I already talked about that. No, that was two weeks ago. I was in full gear. You think that was two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the bigger news of the world wrestling world. We talked about this, I think, Stefan, a couple times. We might have touched on it. How. The WWE is kind of they decided to in general no lunch policy. We we brought yeah yeah. Basically, they were making it so you they could no the wrestlers except the ones on NXT 
for some reason, are no longer allowed to stream on Twitch for reasons. Um, if they wanted to, the, w, the, the WWE was cool with it as long as WWE took a sizable portion of the revenue they made and any money they made went against money the WWE was already paying them. Just an absurd abuse of the independent contractor status um, by a company who's trampled over that for decades. And uh, we kind of were wondering when it was going to happen for somebody to get made an example of. And Steph, they made an example of Miss Tia Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega. Um, she is very popular on Twitch. Um, That's her real name? That's, she's one of those people who have a better real name than their... Uh, I, th I know I know she worked at that name. I'm assuming that's her name. I remember I, thought that was, I always knew who she was before she showed up as Tia Trinidad. I'll look it up in a second That's here. the uh, classic, as uh, you know, Mark brought up. The, the Marvel Universe is the uh, alliteration, the double-syllable name. Your Peter Parkers, your Bruce... Well, yeah, it's, but, it's a very well, of course, hero s name. I like it. Yeah, but they, they have to own her name. Her name is Tia Trinidad, 29 years old, Queens. Um, yeah, she, um, she's very popular on Twitch. She also has an OnlyFans, calm down, people, um, is for, she does a lot of cosplay. Um, you might recognize at the Women's Rumble, Royal Rumble, when she came out dressed as Vega from Street Fighter, which was just great. That just made me smile. Very nice choice right there. Um, WWE shit candor, um, released her. There's some word as to like whether they she asked to be she kind of asked for it because asked to be released because she refused to hand over the accounts or whatever. They fired her. That's what happened. They fired her to make an example of her. Um, and ain't and not one of the rest. The only wrestler with any balls to say anything in that company was uh was Paige. Um, which although I don't I don't, I don't, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I feel she and I don't say this in a bad way, but. I feel that she was kind of asking, like, go ahead, cut me, because she did. She dared them. She did create an OnlyFans account during the, like, I think in the last few weeks or so, almost as a, like, go ahead, like, get rid of me for this reason. Yeah, someone, had some, someone, she drew it. She and Paige were the two most vocal about drawing a line in the sand about it. Um, so, yeah, they cut her, and her husband, who works for the company, the great um, Alistair Black, he's like, hey, can I go to NXT? Because I'm not doing anything on the main roster, and at least in NXT, apparently I can be on Twitch with my wife, and also, uh, I was good. We Everybody liked me. They saw me on TV when I was in NXT. They said no. Uh, Stefan, we know what's going to happen to this man next. We've seen it with Lana. They're going to put him through a table for every week for the end of time. Yes. That is what's going to happen, probably. Look, playing um, with uh, Rusev's wife. Um, that that's last I saw is Naya and Shayna keep throwing her through a table. Yeah, she, that's that's her thing. Did get put through a table last week? I don't know if she got. She, broke, she didn't get yo, put through a table this week. Yo, they gave her her own documentary now. I think she's getting over because the fans are like, "Yeah, fuck, let's root for the lady getting beat up." <laughs> um, look, um, we always talk about how the UFC treats their independent contractors. Um, they are goddamn like labor leaders compared to the WWE. Okay, WWE don't pay for any travel unless it's a flight. All hotels, all rental cars, all their expenses on the road are paid by the professional wrestlers. Um, they're independent contractors, but they are told where to be at all times. Um, they apparently also uh, can uh, get their just their their other lines of revenue taken away from them, which 
sounds very much the opposite of being an independent contractor. Even if they were an employee, oh, what the fuck? I don't know how you yeah. do this unless you're trying to argue some Which sort of like... also um, even more egregious, Bobby, if you think about it, because they don't even have the revenue from the house shows right now. No, no, they're, they're painting, they are got their most profitable year ever, the WWE. They're printing money. But we're not this talking is... about the WWE, we're talking about the wrestlers. The wrestlers well, yeah. aren't getting well, any more money unless they signed the deal in the um, last. They, well, they all got their uh, they all got their downside guarantees, and they have no guarantee of getting any of that TV money. It's not in writing. You know, they get paid based on the houses and stuff. Look, I mean, it's it's bad. Um, I don't know if anything's going to come of it. Uh, we saw Andrew Yang's staff was saying some stuff about how he's going to make it a priority with the Secretary of Labor for the independent contractor status of these wrestlers to be tested to be to be checked into and uh vince picked the fight right steph that's it he picked the fight he's gonna get the fight he wanted i guess <laughs> oh yeah you know a senile old man he's gonna go down in flames at the end of it um hopefully so anyways like look this is a lot of things we talk about a lot of bad people involved Ladies and gentlemen, it's unfortunate what our media consumption habits draw us towards. Um, fortunately, Mark's not spilling the beans on any big wig execs doing horrible things, but they definitely are. Uh, see uh, crunch for uh, the programmers and devs, but um, every big industry sucks. What can you do? Yeah, um, I think uh, I sent the quote to Mike. I should find who said this thing. Um Let's see if I get, but it, the quote was, um, I got, I found that Trevor Dame said this on Twitter as a wrestling journalist, I think said the thing, the, the thing WWE is most terrified of is wrestlers having options. Options mean wrestlers can walk away. That gives you negotiating power. Negotiating power equals more money. It's not about Twitch money or podcast money or cameo money. It's about limiting options. And that's, that's just, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I just want to say you're taking Big E's cameo away from him, Steph. And Big E is the best money you can spend on He's cameo. He's giving that shit away. <laughs> just the best get money you can spend on cameo. Uh, if he ever e. gets on, I say we start a fund for him to leave a real salacious uh, intro for us. When he first started, I did want him to just do the New Day thing. I brought no, him up I a couple times. New Day thing, but I didn't yeah. want him. To That's what I wanted. I then. wanted him to be. This is Big E's sexy time behind closed doors. <laughs> intro. That's if we're paying for Big E. That's the version of Big E we're getting. I'm fine with that. I want Big E to just get right up to that line. Maybe tip a step over to couple Bobby, times. You straight. know, I heard Big E's nasty, and he'll tell you he is nasty. Yeah, God, Big E's the best. Yeah, it just fucking sucks, guys. Um. She'll be fine. She's in wonderful on the microphone. She made more frankly. money on Twitch. Yeah, she's great on the microphone, although. I mean, her wrestling, she's fine. Um, but on the microphone, she's top-notch. Let me tell you, uh, Impact would be happy to have her. You know, AEW would be happy to have her. And AEW will let you enjoy yourself on Twitch, do whatever the fuck you want. So, Mike, you got anything to say about this? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, she's great on the mic, at least by WWE standards from the matches I've seen. She's okay. But based off the women's matches, not counting, you know, Sheeta, Thunder Rosa, um, that small little list. that small little Japanese chick that Oh Riho, okay. Um not counting them, she is she would be one of the better AEW wrestlers in the in their women's division. 
Mike, putting no respect on Brandy Rhodes' name. None. None. None at all. <laughs> no, honestly, I know I she'll be I mean, she'll she'll find what works for her. She's twenty nine years old. Right? I mean but we'll see. Mark, you you got something? No. Oh, I thought you were leaning into the microphone. Sorry. No. Um but yeah, I mean, Steph, that's just the way it is. Old man, you said it well. Old man's going to pick this fight. This is how Vince is going to go out on this argument. So uh, we'll see what comes of it. Um, yeah, you should go Google Sergei Karatanov Bear. That's really the takeaway from this episode more than anything else is go watch Sergei Karatanov get walked out, get, like, get, like, get walked out with a guy with a fucking, you know, with a fucking bear. Just with a bear. That's the most important thing from this week. Um, we're gonna be back next week. Um, happening next week, we're gonna preview Derek Lewis versus Curdy Curtis Blades, and a whole bunch of fights where I don't know any of these people. Living the dream here, UFC. Maybe you know what? I'm not gonna tease it unless we actually do it. You guys can live in mystery on that one. But we'll be back next week. See if we got new champions in either of these weight classes. Obviously, we don't think it's gonna happen. Um, and we'll preview Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. And two guys who are getting close to a title shot in which they would not win the fight. So, till then, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Peace out. See ya. Peace.